Hello and welcome. You're listening to Connected and Ready, an ongoing conversation about innovation, resilience and our capacity to succeed, brought to you by Microsoft. I'm Gemma Milne. I'm a technology journalist and author, and I'm going to be exploring trends around how companies are adapting to a disrupted world and preparing for tomorrow. We're going to speak to the innovators who are bringing products, operations and people together in new ways. In today's episode, I'm chatting to Brennan McReynolds, Global Product and Technology Lead for CBRE Host. We discuss how CBRE has leveraged technology to help organisations return to work safely and effectively, the challenges and dilemmas businesses are facing in getting back to the office, and how the future of the way we work is evolving and what changes are here to stay. Brennan, thank you so much for coming and joining us on the show. Why don't you start by giving us a little bit of background to who you are and your role and what you do at CBRE. Sure. Well, thanks for having me, first and foremost. My name is Brennan McReynolds, and I'm the Global Product and Technology Lead for CBRE Host, which is our workplace experience platform within CBRE. And for those that aren't familiar with who CBRE is in the world of real estate, we are the world's largest real estate services provider, meaning when you think about facilities management and property management, transactions, selling buildings, all those things around how property is traded and used and managed um, all fills within our overall company scope. But our world is really around the way that we think about real estate being managed and operated. And if, just to put that in sense of scale, I think Seabury manages you know close to 6 billion square feet globally in the world of real estate. Awesome. And so tell me a little bit about CBRE Host, which is your part of the company. We're a relatively new initiative within CBRE. We started um, three years ago under the acknowledgement that the role of the workplace is changing. Consumer expectations are fundamentally different maybe than they were a generation ago or even four or five years ago. Our own technologies that we use at home for rideshare and food and beverage ordering and all these things are kind of this on-demand experiences that can be delivered to us. Yet the workplace has always kind of been a little bit stagnant in its ability to accommodate kind of this new normal of expectations that we as individuals across the five generations that are now in the workplace bring into the office every day. So it was kind of an acknowledgement, hey, we need to figure out how to solve that. And what Host does within CBRE is we deliver workplace experience and hospitality services. So anything about community management and experience driven by the same way you think about going to a hotel. And then we have also built in-house technologies that support and enable an employee's journey within the workplace itself. So tell me a little bit about before the pandemic, (laughs) you guys have been thinking about um, technological solutions in the workplace, obviously for some time. And obviously we will talk about what that looks like now, but before we do that, I'd love to hear a little bit about what you guys were focusing on and I guess some of your big aims in bringing technology into the workplace. Absolutely. The priorities that were coming to us and why we began to build host as a, you know, when you think about what is the technology and the team that we have within CBRE, it's employee facing mobile application that really connects you to the spaces, services and amenities in the workplace. And our clients and all the largest occupiers in the world that have tens of millions of square feet kind of, you know, within their portfolio, we're saying my employees struggle with finding a room when they need it or a service when they need to find it. And, and how do I connect that? And kind of in real time and and ultimately, you know, our value is to try to help people just save time and make their life easier and feel more connected to the workplace. So we began to prioritize our relationship to space. How do I book a room more quickly? And through our partnership with Microsoft, 
sometimes finding a room that's available on Outlook can sometimes be a little bit cumbersome. We bring that experience forward into the mobile application. So in one touch, you can find that room or I can see the floor plan and navigate to that individual location uh, and see if it's available in real time. So just providing different means to accomplish what typically have been the ways that we kind of struggle to find our way through the workplace. So you guys were obviously very digital first in your thinking and the type of work you were doing. But even for the most, I guess, digitally savvy um, companies, these, you know, these times really are, as everyone keeps saying, very unprecedented. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what it's been like for you, both as, you know, CBRE host and, you know, employees of of an organization that I can imagine is now doing lots of things remotely, but also all the different kinds of organizations that you work with via, you know, the, the huge sort of networking business that is CBRE, bearing in mind you were already coming at this from an already very digitally savvy approach. And it was this fundamental shift from, and the perception of what we do was a little bit seemed as, is this discretionary kind of funds or is this a nice to have? It's great if I can aggregate all these things into a singular user experience within the office, but the the need wasn't there unless one of our clients had like a long-term strategic vision around what this experience should be. So the moment that the pandemic hit and we all left the workplace, it was like, well, then what's the role of technology in the workplace? And what's the role of an employee-facing mobile app to support a journey that no longer exists? The journey is from our bed to our desk, wherever that may be in our home. So we had to take a stop, you know, a really deliberate pause and kind of reassess how we can support remote work, how we support the role of the workplace moving forward. And uh, I spent a lot of time over the last six months studying that and, and actually in a very agile fashion, adapting and growing our product to think about what everybody kind of calls is this new normal. I really like what you said about the shift from being thought of or perceived externally or perhaps in different parts of CBRE as a nice to have to suddenly being something that's a lot more central. So was it the case that you were able to keep using the same sort of products that you'd already built or was it about expanding the product? How have things shifted for you over the last sort of nine months or so? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, really both, um, but you could kind of break it down into two different parts of pieces. There's a role of like what happens now that we're all at home and fundamentally the majority of the workforce shifted into this kind of remote work environment. And now we're struggling to get connected. And there's this, you know, in the early days of becoming more familiar with technology just to be connected and the days of the happy hours and everybody's just trying to find the right way to collaborate and be connected to your colleagues. But over time, you begin to think about like how information is served to us in a way around updates to the workplace and the company. We're so reliant upon internet sites and email that like, how do we communicate to people in a more personal omni-channel environment that feels like a little bit different, like I'm escaping a little bit from my work domain, but I still am receiving information in a way that feels contextual and relevant to me. And that's where we've begun to take our technology and a mobile application and serve relevant news and information around what's new to me or feedback and surveys or virtual events and wellness delivered deliberately into your mobile as an employee because it felt like a different environment to interact and and kind of receive and consume those experiences. So that was just kind of repurposing existing functionality. I think second to that was then, oh, wow, everybody's got to start thinking about going back into the workplace. And what is that journey? Like what is needed now before I can physically leave my home and think about going to my office around health questionnaires, right? Self-attestation that have I been exposed? How does that get administered? actually reserving the space in the office, you know, in a limited capacity environments 
You're only going to have, you know, in a world where demand exceeds capacity because of social distancing within the workplace, then you're going to need to create some type of reservation mechanism the same way we think about going to a fitness class or a restaurant. And um, so we've begun to build in additional technologies into the application to say, is my office even open? Is there a case reported? You know, what if it closes? How do I alert people? And email is one thing, but you kind of need an interface that is kind of front and center as a part of my daily life. So that's where we really began to focus. And what would you say are the biggest set of challenges that were being faced by all the different kinds of organizations that you guys work with? I mean, you work with such a huge amount of square footage, so many different kinds of companies. So when you were speaking to these various different kinds of organizations, what were you seeing as their biggest challenges that you might have been able to come in and help solve? That's a great question. The moment we started thinking about, well, how do we get people back and what should we be doing right now? It immediately brought together elements of the enterprise that historically, when you think about technology, which is there to enable, you know, what the businesses want. And then you have HR, legal, privacy, compliance, health and safety component to this. And then you have technology. So you had all these stakeholders within these organizations and it's like, who's on first and who's going to lead this? And is it real estate? Cause they own the physical space itself. Is it HR? Because they're looking after the employees. Technology is there to deliver a solution, but that solution needs to be passed through legal and privacy on the types of things that we need to ask for around health questionnaires. So immediately it was just kind of this watching enterprises come together and kind of form their steer codes on how they're going to guide and make these decisions around reopening and how we communicate to employees. And then second to that was then, where do we start? And is it best, is, you know, is the first thing we focus on communication and awareness around our own procedures and protocols or local procedures and protocols? So it's kind of like, where do you go? And then at some point, you just have to start making decisions, knowing that you may have to change those decisions on the things that you want to communicate and the processes at which you want to administer. And in one example of that, is this concept of everybody's going to want to go back, so demand will exceed capacity. So let's pre-designate um, Jim on Team A, Brennan on Team B, and on Wednesdays and Fridays, Team A goes in and Mondays, and great. Well, that assumption was that demand would exceed capacity. Reality is there was no demand when, when people began to try this. And in a lot of cases, that people weren't going in. So then you don't need to pre-segment individuals and teams, and in fact, you just need to create a more of a reservation type system. So we quickly listened. I think everybody made some assumptions, have tried them out. And then, you know, now we've adapted it to be um, more representative and responsive to the types of demand that we see uh, for, you know, folks coming into the workplace. Microsoft Power Apps gives employees of all skill levels the tools they need to build professional apps that run on web, iOS, and Android without writing a single line of code. By extending the power of app development beyond the IT department, Power Apps enables anyone from frontline workers to line-of-business employees to innovate, improve business processes, and automate repetitive or manual job functions. Watch a demo by following the link in the episode description. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that demand. Do you think that that's sort of a a temporary thing? I mean, people just don't feel ready to come back, but do eventually want to? Or do you think this shift we've all been going through has fundamentally changed the way we work? You know, meaning that demand is going to be a lot lower full stop from now on. You know, what's interesting, what we've seen and kind of break it down into three categories. There's obviously a general hesitancy on behalf of employers and employees on going back into the workplace. And those three categories are really around just the overall, you know, health 
of, you know, relative of the community and the countries around us to transmission and the risk associated with kind of where we are in the cycle of the pandemic. I think the second of that is our individual personal behaviors and the new kind of demands that have become more relevant because of the pandemic. I think about child and parent care, about public transportation, all these things now need to be factored in in a little bit different way than maybe we all previously associated with. And then the last thing is like, then what's the role of the workplace? And do we know exactly how and why it should be different than what it was before? And that goes around, you know, the layouts of floor plans, um, how you administer food and beverage, um, capacity planning. You got to figure all those three things out, the point of view on on each as an employer and an employee before you begin to then create the protocols and processes to, to kind of bring everybody back. The second to that then is the overall desire and demand to go back in, which is separate than that of the ability to welcome people back and the preparedness. So what were the organizations you were working with asking for in terms of the help they were needing as they were shifting from being in the office to remote and, and obviously now starting to come back? Were the companies being quite proactive in wanting to provide X, Y, and Z, or was it more driven by employee need? Great question. There's two layers to that. Layer one is where we were already in we being host, were providing those services, then we just knew we had to adapt to the moment, right? We were delivering workplace experience uh, within the physical office, and then now that needed to really be dynamic within this kind of remote world. That was just kind of a natural extension of what we all kind of had to do to accommodate and provide that continuity of experience. I think for Seabury clients, but that weren't on host, then we began to have this uh, these conversations and research around, well, then how do I bring this back? There's the physical side of it. When we manage the facility, manage the building, we have those technical teams. And then what are the underlying technologies that support that process and that uh, those kind of health protocols? And that's where the kind of advisory side of, well, what do you want to do first? Like how deep down the health and wellness side do we want to go around? Are we going to ask for a questionnaire, right? And there's ways that we've done that. We've done that through our partnership with Microsoft. When you think about the power platform, the flexibility in that tool, has really, you know, allows enterprises to create unique experiences to to each company that accommodate not just the entirety of the enterprise, but each individual location um, based off of individual and municipal requirements around what's going on with COVID. And the size of the office may be very different and how you treat and create technologies that accommodate a bunch of demand where like if you have an owned building where these are all my employees who go into my building, that experience and what you have to do there is very different than if you are a single tenant and a very large skyscraper where there's 20 other companies that go into the same building every day. So you can control more of that journey from leaving your home um, potentially on a company shuttle into a, a company campus or a company building where that's your own parking garage. You know those are your own employees. Those are your colleagues. And you can control that kind of chain of custody and from a from a safety standpoint. You know, I live in Dallas, Texas. You go to downtown Dallas and I go to my office. There's a ton of other tenants there. What happens in the parking garage, what happens in the lobby and who gets on the elevator is not of control by CBRE. There's a different layer to that. So we've had to listen to and, and think about how do we help solve different problems? Loading in the lobby is very different. The number of people that can get on the elevator is fundamentally different now. Well, then you're going to have a queue that lines up into the lobby. Is the lobby large enough to accommodate people waiting in line to go into the elevator? Because the people now to be socially distanced, well, you have to stanch it off like we're going into a movie theater. I mean, they're just... All of the downstream logistical, physical sides of this are equally as important to saying, what's the digital piece of this that's going to help me do that? And it varies, once again, by the arrangement. 
So let's talk a little bit about how you managed to solve these various different kinds of problems or sort of answer some of these questions and leverage this platform that you'd already built and obviously have now been building upon to, you know, reconcile and pull together and create a a nice or, well, at least nice as possible anyway, user experience around how we interact with the physical office space. Walk us through how it all works from a tech perspective. I would say that we were missive. I didn't mention, you know, our organization, we're fortunate with to be doing this within CBRE that has a, a robust research organization and relationship with the industry as a whole. So a lot of this data has been accumulated through speaking with customers. And there's a whole website around the future of the office or what we call the way forward within CBRE that are that have all this research published. So this is consumable by, you know, really by anybody to understand those learnings have really driven, you know, to your question around then what is the experience and and how does that interact within the technology? Do people want to go back in? And so you need to kind of establish this foundational level of transparency communication to drive confidence about going back in. So that's serving, you know, creating a consistent level of information that you can touch the employee across multiple channels so they're aware. And then that awareness drives confidence. I'm like, okay, now I know what it's going to be like. Great. Okay. Well, then what's the process to go in there? Well, there's now a health check that you have to, you know, administer that, you know, says, I haven't traveled, I haven't been exposed to my knowledge, and I don't have a temperature. Okay, well, then how do you minister that? Well, okay, we're now doing that in our application. So we can add those questions, they're configurable. We're not capturing employee health data. We're just looking for an attestation or a yes to each of those questions. And as long as they say yes to all three, then you're eligible to then get a boarding pass effectively, which is a visual indicator in your mobile, like much like when we used to travel and, and get on airplanes. That allows me to then re-enter the workplace and show that I'm safe, I've signed up, I've reserved my spot, and now I have some type of tangible identifier that I'm able to be there for the day. So that was kind of our priority is focus on the journey first. And that's a safe, confident journey from my home into the building and the entry. And then the next is now what happens when I'm there? So now I'm, I'm at the workplace and wow, every other seat has been removed to enforce social distancing. Can I, do I have to book a desk? Do I not have to book a desk? What about cleaning? What about, you know, safety protocols? I need some PPE or face mask. How is that administered? So when you really think about the way that those types of elements have been prioritized, the digital tools and host in particular is really meant to be an extension of whatever that environment is meant to look like. And if you now have to book a desk, then that is fundamentally you know done through the application itself. And you can only do that after you've gone through the journey into the workplace, which is I've taken my health questionnaire and I'm safe to go in. So really kind of creating these Um, you know, the information and then the decision gates that allow for you to interact safely within the workplace. So you mentioned a word earlier, which I think is talked quite a lot about uh, nowadays in terms of businesses and the way that we work, which is community. And I know that you work with so many different businesses and organizations, which are all going to have their own culture and way of creating community. But for you at CBRE Host, Um, You know, you're all about creating this great experience in the physical office. Um, Obviously, at the moment, it's key to ensure people can, you know, come to the office in a safe way. But I wondered if you'd been thinking about what it means to still make the physical space, you know, feel nice and welcoming and perhaps not so clinical. (laughs) Um, You know, it's it's not just about escaping the house to work and, and get quietness and whatnot. It's also about having a nice environment. I don't know if it's premature for me to ask that question, but I wondered where your thoughts had been on that. It's a great question. And I think that, you know, everybody is 
trying to begin to triangulate around like, what is the role of the workplace moving forward? And today, if we were to go back and I use the word clinical, and I, I think that's pretty fair. You know, everybody should be wearing their mask, right? We're going to be safe social distance. So the workplace will be much more purpose driven. And we tend to think of it as it will be more of a destination than ever has been before. And if you look at the data and the research that we've compiled is when you look at the employee base, you know, two thirds have said, hey, I prefer remote or mostly remote work, meaning I'll maybe go in two to three days a week. And I believe that the workplace has a role, but, you know, maybe not as permanent as before. On the employer side, 75% of the employers are saying, and we've accepted that remote work is kind of here to stay. It's just going to be a part of our new normal. But yet 80% of the employers have also said, but the workplace is still this kind of fundamental destination where we will drive collaboration. And when you begin to think about and you use the word destination, then in our minds as consumers, we begin to think of, well, like, well, when I think of a destination, I think of vacation. I think about making a reservation and traveling on a plane and then a hotel and the experiences that um, begin to happen as I step myself through um, that kind of destination mindset. And, you know, it's our job to begin to think about then how do services and amenities and spaces change when that destination or kind of a, what I would consider like an event-based approach to the workplace could exist. And that's not going to be for every office, right? Certain offices may have purposes that are much more driven towards heads down work because people just need to get out of the house. Like, I just want to go sit in my, I just go sit at the desk, right? And that's kind of, you know, mode one. Well, another mode is collaboration mode. I want to go in only if Jim is going in as well. And so then how do you begin to create that at home collaboration and awareness that let's now plan to go in. And it begins to be this kind of collaborated planned team event-based activity where you go in for a purpose to collaborate. You're going to need a certain amount of space to do what your team needs to do um, to accomplish the task and be much more kind of outcome driven. And then the way that you respond to that is through the different types of services and amenities and like, okay, then what's the food and beverage plan for that? And is that going to be the same way that we uh, we saw it kind of open for everybody or doesn't it be pre-ordered? And, and those are the types of things that we're beginning to also think about. And then most importantly, the continued cleanliness of the workplace itself and the way that janitorial and cleaning services has been delivered. And historically, once the day, at the end of the day, may be much more dynamic in nature. And we're leveraging, you know, IoT data or sensor data in real time to understand where people have been, where are they sitting? And then upon vacancy, that we immediately, in some cases, may need to go clean those spaces to create space for others or just because of, you know, that's the new protocol. And that's really where the technology also allows you to see not clean spaces within the technology so you can go, okay, this is not a place that's ready for me, but I can choose to go over here. And that transparency and that choice is really what we're trying to enable. And really the future of the workplace will be enabling and empowering employees to have the choice about kind of who, how, and when they want to work. And then the location will be a, a derivative of kind of who am I collaborating with and how am I trying to work? So you were talking about the, the digital platform being able to, you know, find a clean space or space needing cleaned or help with check-ins, meeting room bookings, information sharing, so on. Is there a role for AI here in learning the habits of individuals so that they can have this seamless, personalised experience without having to interact so much, you know, directly with the app and the technology every single day? It's a great question. It's something that, you know, it foundationally starts with, well, then how do you think about the physical space and everything that goes inside of it? And so there's a concept of a digital twin, which is a digital representation of the physical spaces that we go into. In this case, for hosts and our conversation today, 
it's the workplace, it's the rooms, it's the desk, it's the people, and it's the sensors and IoT devices that measure the occupancy and use of those space. So by leveraging, and we leverage Azure Digital Twins, by leveraging Digital Twins, we begin to draw and can create these relationships between a space, a person, and the status of the space itself and leverage AI ML models on top of that to then make recommendations on, hey, Brennan, here's the best room for you today because you're going to be by yourself. So you have a smaller room that's close to your office. We do that, right? The future and where are we going and how does that get smarter and better is that we begin to then associate additional factors into that, right? So spaces that are clean or aren't clean, uh, where are my colleagues sitting or where are the colleagues that I work with most frequently? So when you think about workplace analytics, kind of foundationally in the Microsoft environment, that's aggregating all of our collaboration data. If it knows who I'm meeting with today or meet with most frequently, then the recommendations of where I should sit or what room I should book are going to be driven by my collaboration data. I think ultimately our future vision is whether or not you need to come into the office at all, the workplace, is based off of those AI-driven models that look at your schedule for the day and say, you know what? Nobody that you're meeting with is actually going to be physically in the office. They're all remote. They're your team in APAC. They're your colleagues in California. You're best off sitting at home today, Brennan. And that's the recommendation that we're able to make. And in doing so, we can also now begin to plan and predict the occupancy of the office itself. And within that occupancy comes the number of people that need to service the workplace, the amount of food and beverage you order, the HVAC and the energy that you use to run the workplace. You can effectively stack and plan how floors get managed. So you may have 10 floors of a building. And because of that simple suggestion of should you or should you not go in, and here's who you're collaborating with, you can make a determination with the models that say, you only need five of those floors on or open today. I'm shutting down five floors because I don't predict there to be occupancy there. Therefore, I'm actually saving operational cost, energy cost in my physical real estate portfolio, right? So that's kind of future-facing vision. We've always wanted to go. COVID's really, you know, driven this um, much sooner, as we talked about earlier. And um, that's kind of where we think and how AI and ML will continue to empower the choice that we talked about at an employee level. This is all about empowering the right decisions and then how we can, you know, leverage those decisions to drive valuable insights. What would you say is the sort of difference between technologies or approaches or processes? Um, I'm thinking sort of near future versus far future which have been a sort of fill-in to solve the immediate problems of the pandemic versus new technology and approaches which have been adapted and adopted and and are going to endure beyond the pandemic. You know, stuff that's going to enhance this destination and the choice that people have when they interact with the workplace. Do you see a sort of split between these sort of two types of technologies and approaches? And, And if so, what falls in each category? It's interesting because as much as this is a conversation about technology and our whole team is fixated on technology, I do believe like the best thing is think about solving a human problem and do so thinking about what is the almost the, the very physical, tangible way to do that and start that, right? You know, physical interactions, relationships, um, that's what the workplace is about, is the ability to collaborate. And we should always start and stay true to that. So we just don't want to use technology for technology's sake. But when we do think about empowering choice and provide real-time recommendations so people can make decisions, the best way to accomplish that most of the time will be through technology in a way that's intuitive, lightweight, easy to consume and kind of, you know, hopefully somewhat in the background, right? We don't want anybody walking through the workplace with an app in front of their face because that's how you have to do everything. That's not what the outcome is here. So it's really about creating these lightweight, um, you know, the, the term nudge is being used quite a bit 
We see it in all different types of technologies today and just creating lightweight engagements that drive decision-making or empower decision-making to interact. So that's kind of where we want to go. We need to find the right balance. And I think balance is the primary word here between driving and forcing too much tech versus really thinking about what people want to accomplish and, and then getting out of the way. Definitely. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, what's that that famous phrase, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. <laughs> um, and I think part of that is that, you know, you can't see it and that it happens seamlessly in the background, right? Based on your experience, and as well as obviously all this R&D and, and research that you guys have been publishing and, and sharing, what would you say organizations need to consider to ensure, I guess, the resilient model of work that's safe, but also connected to the future? I think it comes back to um, the consideration is health and safety first. What are the things we need to do to, make, to allow people to come back in and collaborate? And then what are the outcomes that we're trying to drive? And what is the role of the workplace? And what's ultimately that outcome? And and collaboration or focus time or whatever those things will drive how we use and plan and program space and ultimately the amount of space that we need and providing choice and flexibility. And people talk about hub and spoke model where I'm going to have, you know, one big office that's a destination and maybe well amenitized and then smaller satellite offices. Like all those things will vary based off of really the type of workforce uh, that you have, the types of work that they do. We have a whole workplace strategy organization with CBRE that thinks solely about this, the work styles, the types of collaboration that's getting done, and then begins to think about how space gets programmed in order to match and, and uh, satisfy those needs. Because each organization is fundamentally different in terms of a strong engineering organization is very different from a strong sales and marketing organization. And that may change neighborhood by neighborhood on a floor or by a single office and say, okay, this is going to be full of engineers. So therefore, this experience needs to be very driven on supporting and allowing small agile collaboration, but yet heads down time to be an effective developer engineer. And um, understanding each of those individual components and work styles and then how you support that, it will be kind of fundamental to the way that we use the office. There's certainly not a one size fits all, not that we've been, you know, guilty of that in the past. I think there's been a lot of thought put into prior than the pandemic on on how do you begin to break out these types of work styles. Uh, but I think now more than ever, the agility of the space itself will need to conform to the changing demands. And I think a really good data point on this question is like prior to the pandemic, 17% of our surveyed occupiers said that free address or this kind of notion of everybody can come in and sit wherever they need or activity-based work, they were comfortable with that. And now, post-COVID, when we go back, what does that number look like? That number has now grown to over 75% of the occupier survey that go, okay, we're comfortable with more of a free address as opposed to an assigned environment where this is where Brennan sits every day, or this is my office, or this is my neighborhood. So allowing for that flexibility and collaboration is fundamental to the way that the workplace will be you know, used moving forward. Looking forward and thinking about companies having hybrid offices, you know, part remote workforces, using the office space only for certain kinds of activities. How do you see companies adapting their physical space, you know, perhaps repurposing it and adapting it to these new working futures? Yeah, I mean, all of the above. We see a lot of our clients have begun a new workplace strategy and assessment kind of foundational was, well, let's just make sure that we can provide a safe, socially distanced workplace. In some cases, that's as simple as removing chairs from every other desk or every other table and putting big stop signs that say, don't come here. At the end of the day, though, that may not be enough. And the way that we collaborate with one another may need to be more 
on demand. And with on demand comes the ability to change the shape of the space or the activity associated with the space. We use the term ABW, activity-based work, quite a bit within real estate, and within the workplace. And that's really about creating different neighborhoods and areas that facilitate different types of work and collaboration. Um, that could be sitting on a couch in a collaborative environment on the window line, or that could be in a heads-down office space. And knowing the types of spaces that you need to create based off of that anticipated occupancy and how people are going to use the space as a destination is really kind of where we see that going. And, you know, I spoke earlier about if it was 17% of our occupiers said we have unassigned kind of free address spaces. And now 80% or 75% are saying we're going to go to free address. That in itself is a huge transformation into releasing assigned spaces and letting people kind of come in and flex. And that allows you to also program and assign more people into the workplace because naturally at any given time, not everybody's going to be at the office. So instead of a one-to-one ratio of everybody has their own designated space, you begin to get into ratios that are one and a half individuals, two individuals per one space. And even on the high end, you get into the threes and the fours because of so much flexibility associated with return to work and the choice that we're enabling. It sounds like it comes back to this point on choice, but also just what you were saying there, personalization too. You know, you're right. I think that some organizations and obviously, you know, you guys with it being your core remit before the pandemic, were thinking about things, were thinking, you know, what is the future of work? Are we doing this right? Is this the best setup for not just getting things done, but, you know, for people being happy and fulfilled and, you know, having their personal situations catered for? In some ways, this situation we found ourselves in has forced those conversations that future of work people have been, you know, shouting about for such a long time, sometimes falling on deaf ears, by the way, about being thoughtful about the role of the office, you know? And I guess we have to find the positives in the pandemic, and perhaps this is one, not just that we've been adapting in terms of getting more out of people at work, but rather making people happier in the long run. Absolutely. I mean, much more experience driven. And, you know, we've had our roadmap for a number of years now, and we've always thought this is where we wanted to go. We never expected to be kind of forced into this. We've accelerated everything in order to accommodate this understanding confidence, health, and safety first. And then my relationship to the space is now a fundamental requirement. And that's kind of changed our order of operation. But it, it is really interesting. And then the way that you think about supporting experience at home is has been is fundamental as well. And how do you extend that same type of collaboration and community to to individuals that may have to and may choose to be remote forever and and that's something that our experience teams and our overall host organization, which is really, you know, workplace hospitality as a whole is thinking about and has been doing over the course of the summer because you know, those team members that were in the workplace delivering community experience and bringing people together and creating knowledge share are also at home, right? So they've had to think about and reach out to the neighborhoods and the teams and departments at which they manage and find a way to keep them engaged and keep them connected. And we see that extending into this new normal of who's going in when and creating a sense of collaboration and just fostering you know, a sense of community that will probably live on, uh, you know, well beyond the pandemic, because we're all going to be more empowered to choose and be where we need to be when we need to be there. Could you give us some examples of how this extension happens? You know, it's really interesting hearing about how people are, are not just plugging the gap for the current time we live in, but also thinking about how to engage in a thoughtful way digitally moving forward. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of interesting ways we've tried it. I mean, one is you create the experiences available in the technology itself, and then people kind of have this 
ability to search and opt in and go, hey, there's a virtual yoga class today, right? And I'm going to sign up for that and I'll do it from my home. Or, or hey, maybe there's a discount code that's being extended to me or a company perk when you think about, okay, well, you know, furniture, sit-stand desks or things that are real to me, just providing different ways to, to interact with that. Um, so just kind of fundamentally serving content that's relevant to me and my new work style or being home is kind of layer one. And then layer two is the engagement layer of almost a more personal interaction of bringing people together, creating environments that are more community-driven, gamifying some elements of how we should get to know one another, or we've kind of lost sight of just spending time with one another and in doing so, soliciting feedback. I mean, you think about really the best thing we can do here is listen and learn from one another. And that's what we see the role of technology is here to do as well, is create lightweight opportunities to solicit feedback on how are you feeling? What is your hesitation about going back into the workplace? And then taking that data and then reusing that to improve and inform the way that we deliver services and or create different experiences. And we look back early in the pandemic when users of the technology were at home, we could see the types of articles they were clicking on were very much driven around awareness of the company policies associated with COVID or, or things that are preventative in nature around understanding the relationship to going back into the workplace. And then once that content began to slow down, okay, well, then it was more about community-driven content that brought people together or wellness-related because I kind of, the luster of working from home every day was definitely worn off and it was, I needed to do something different and I wanted to see somebody else's face. And that kind of began to transfer um, the types of engagements that we were start to deliver. Amazing. Brennan, thank you so much for sharing so much with us. You know, tons of examples of what you've been doing, which hopefully will inspire um, some of those listening who might be thinking, you know, what can I do to enhance the experience of going back to work or engaging with my remote team? But also for your thoughts around the future. I think future of work is obviously, you know, even hotter uh, as a topic than it was before the start of this year. So it's brilliant to hear from someone who's been thinking about this deeply um, for some time. So Brennan, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks so much. Appreciate the time. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can find out more about Brennan's work and indeed some of the broader themes we discussed today in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please do take a few moments to rate and review the podcast. It really helps other people discover the show. Don't forget to hit subscribe and tune in next time to continue our conversation about innovation, resilience and our capacity to succeed. Learn how Microsoft Power Apps gives employees of all skill levels the tools they need to build professional apps that run on web, iOS, and Android without writing a single line of code. Watch a demo by following the link in the episode description.